Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics who are wrapping up their season. Seven games on the slate. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me as always, John Duke. We're coming right down to the Waya, the Waya Hangar, John, you know, back in the day. Pre-Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen, the why I hang out. All I'll say is this. Who would have thought that this team might get 56-plus wins if they knew that Hayward was going to get injured game one and Kyrie Irving was going to miss the last three weeks of the season, four weeks of the season? Pretty crazy if you think about it, plus all the injuries that stacked up on top of that. Even at the beginning of this season, after the initial injury to Hayward, and yet I remember we were making our predictions, and I boldly wanted to go 60-plus, tempered my expectations, and said, I think I'm going to match last year's prediction, which was either 55 or 56. I could always go back and look. doesn't matter. But either way, mid-50s, and when you consider the way that they just rattled off five straight at the end of the bench, we talked about having your cake and eating it, too, with – these younger veteran players on the squad, plus the really young players like Tatum and Brown, and then among others, Semi Ojale getting some decent performances for the Celtics during this stretch. But and Terry Rozier, I mean, man, uh, just setting records for himself. And it's really been amazing that Utah game ends on a three with Brown. All I'm going to say is, honestly, who thought that they might still get 56 wins? And on it, they barely have to They have to go one game over 500 to finish it out to hit 56. That's incredible. It is incredible. It's um, I mean, you watch that game against Utah, and you're just you're shaking your head. You can't believe what's going on out there. Every night there's a new starter, a new a new role player, another another key piece of the Celtics roster who is supposed to help lead them to Banner 18 this year. When we before uh, the horrific ankle injury, and now here we are. We're watching. Oh, okay, it looks like Horford's out today, and oh, it looks like Mook Morris is out, and let's just you know whatever. Let's just roll Yabaselli out there and and Nader, and we're gonna go out there and. Be 
beat the Utah Jazz, who are one of the hotter teams in the NBA right now. We're locking people down, defending at an incredibly high rate, and we're going to put, uh, you know, let's let's go ahead and put 98 points up on the board, 97 points up on the board, and we're going to beat you. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Shane Larkin is your point guard at the end of that game, makes a pretty wild pass behind the head out to Ojale, who not surprisingly passes up what I would consider to have been a plenty wide open three, shoots it over to Big Shot Brown, who knocks it down. That was really insane. And who would have thought Shane Larkin manning the point in the waiting minutes of a game this season? Right. I mean, you look at, okay, so we're, we're recording this here March, end of March, right? I mean, six months ago, before the season started, we were, we were thinking Shane Larkin doesn't stand a chance of making the roster. And now <laughs> he's, he's been a key piece in so many Celtics victories this season. It's, it's unbelievable. It's crazy how well he's done for this team. The guy has made himself some incredible amount of money this summer. I'm so happy for him. He's worked his butt off. He deserves it. He's not going to be doing it here in Boston next year and we'll be cheering for him wherever he is, but. That performance against the Jazz, I mean, he was in it on another level. Rozier had a great game. I think Jalen is probably, he and Larkin were kind of one and one A, um, you know, not far behind Jason Tatum, but wow, what an effort by Shane Larkin against the Utah Jazz. I mean, he really led the Celtics into that victory. He did. And like you said, different people on every night and Brown having a great performance. Tatum continuing a very nice streak. And Rozier is a little streaky offensively, but he's steady, uh, directing the offense at times and providing a lift and scoring. But Tatum really having the big night in, against the Suns. And it's just amazing again to watch these young players really lift this club up. Not just the unsung younger players like Larkin, but these top, the, the number three overall picks in the last two drafts is really an incredible sight to watch them. And Rozier obviously uh, picked it, what, number 16 several, three years ago. I mean, this is, this is really insane. I mean, that was a kid that everybody basically destroyed Danny Ainge for picking. And everybody loves to say, Danny Ainge can't draft. Danny Ainge can't draft. I think if you go look at the last three drafts, especially because there was some decent talent pool in there, you really have to finally, can we put that to rest? Everybody has to stop criticizing his draft because he might miss one or two picks here and there. You just don't hit in the NBA on every pick. Nobody does. So many guys don't make it even in every top 10 of every draft. Right. I mean, you look at the, let's say in the, in the post, uh, KG era, uh, I guess is what we talk about. I'd say Olenek was a hit, even if they didn't get, uh, Greek Freak. Uh, you know, that was, that was a, a an issue, but Kelly Olenek was a good signing. And just because you don't re-sign him to a, you know, a big deal at the end of his rookie contract doesn't mean it's a miss. James Young, I think that one that you'd like to have back, but again, it's a mid-round pick. You're not going to hit on all of them. And there were three uh, picks in that draft too, absolutely. right? So absolutely. I think they kind of felt like they could take a flyer on one of them. Yeah. And and then you got Hunter who, you know, a late 27, he was picked 27th in that draft. That's hit or, that talk about hit or miss. I mean, that's the more of those don't work out than do. The rest of them, obviously we've, we've run them down. Smart, Rosier, Jalen Brown, Tatum, uh, Yabuselli. <laughs> I mean, it's, the list oh my God, I just on. love the way you have to fit your Yabu in there, dude. You're awesome. I, he played I, great. I, he was he great did, against he the did, Utah. He did, but you've just been waiting 
for the Yabu trade to come been. into the station for so Damn long, right. and now you sound like me about Jalen Brown. I've tempered on Brown. you got to admit, this season has not been the Justin Poole and Jalen Brown love fest that it has been uh, or it was last year, but it's because I think he kind of arrived. I mean, I love the way he polished yeah. it out. But you were just waiting for Yabu, and now here's your moment to shine. Totally. Totally, totally. This is it, man. I mean, this is the, the time is now for Yabuselli, right? I mean, he's he's setting some good screens, rebounding, uh, you know, hitting the threes, doing the old, you know, bing with the old, and then this. I mean, it's great. I mean, how do you beat that, he right? Has the, the craziest dap. The Dapaselli, is that what you said? Dapaselli, Dapaselli. Hey, <laughs> man, that's it. It's right there, and he is. He's, he's just, he brings such an infectious joy. You just, you love it. It's, it's all the great stuff of the, the Al Jefferson, just loving being out there stuff with the, the French, you know, <laughs> influence. Then you've got just, he's got a lot of swagger. So let me Man, get, has let got me, swagger. Well, here's, here's what I want to ask you then about this whole run with these younger players, right? You look at somebody like Morris who sat out a number of games earlier in the year, got healthy but not really and didn't play well for a stretch, then got really healthy and started to actually play well, having some really big shots lately, obviously. But a lot of these younger players didn't get a ton of minutes. I know Brown and Tatum did, but these other unsung heroes, heroes even with the injuries were still quite a few steps down the depth chart. It's like the injuries at the guard position to Kyrie and Smart have opened some things up, obviously for Terry, but then Larkin. And they all got spot minutes, but they don't have the wear and tear on their bodies from an NBA season the way that some of the opponents do right now. And I wanted to get your take on how much fresh legs has an impact when they're coming down to the final stretch of the season, that that gives them a little bit of edge to play. And not in all cases, but in some cases, the outcome of the season is pretty much determined for most of the teams around the league, or at least they know, you know, there's a few that are jockeying for position in the playoffs. But outside of that, you know, take it like a Suns team, for instance. Let's just rest Devin Booker. You know, I, I think there is an element of that where, we didn't think that this team had the depth, but they really do for this stage in the year where fresh legs, fresh young legs up against other teams that, you know, maybe want to take a little bit of a break for a couple of the players. Maybe they didn't have quite as much depth, et cetera. Do you think that's a factor at all here? I think it's, I think it's something of a factor, but this is also a time when, when smarts and, and being a wily vet really pays off usually. And, there is one reason why that doesn't matter, and his name is Brad Stevens. I mean, Brad Stevens right now is – he's checkers chess, baby. I mean, he is he is doing things – he's getting this team playing at a ridiculous level. This is the main red clause, right? This is this – is, you take the main red clause and you take the summer league <laughs> roster, you mix them up, and that's the team that beat the Utah Jazz last night. One of the hottest teams in the league – the best, you know, arguably the second best defense in the league, certainly the best defense when everyone's healthy, um, or everyone's not healthy for the Celtics. And they went out there and they beat him on their home floor. I mean, that's, that's, that doesn't happen, right? That's just, you know, you got the likely the, the future or the to be defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. And it doesn't matter, whatever. We got, we got Yabaselli, we got Shane Larkin, we got Abdel Nader, you know, bring it. What? That's not the way this is supposed to work. What is going on out there? And yet 
there's one piece that's whether it's got Kyrie Irving, whether you got you know Hayward, whether you got Horford, there's one constant. Brad Stevens, man. Brad Stevens. It's unbelievable. This is crazy. And the fact that there's any debate, any debate at all about there, about who should be the coach of the year, there's more debate about coach of the year than there is about MVP. Everyone's like, oh, it's hard and it's hard and you gotta give it to Harden. It should be the same thing with Brad Stevens. It is crazy what has happened this year for the Boston Celtics. He there should, should be no maybe debate. he should be the first MVP that isn't a player. <laughs> Bingo. I like it. For real though, you're right. Um we we can't ever heap enough praise on Brad. We have in the past. And a lot of times the detractors with Brad is about in-game strategy, some of his calls, you know, sometimes they're not so happy with his out of timeout uh play calling, but I will say this about Brad. He always maximizes what he's going to get out of the players that are on the team. He helps them grow. He helps them develop. He helps them be ready. And he definitely gives the team confidence. I don't know how he does it, but there's a strategy in there, and it works. Because year after year, teams that are in Boston, since he came on board, you'd think that they were underdogs. You'd think they were fighting through adversity, and yet they continue to put on these crazy shows. And Isaiah Thomas was a great example of that, and this is going to be the injuries edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Themes across the league. Guys coming off of injuries like Markel Fultz. Guys going down that may influence who we see in the NBA Finals like Stephen Clay totally dropping a big goose egg in my fantasy league playoffs. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> Alright, so before we get to that, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke and the entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Don't forget to download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report with all of our favorites. Trags, Josue Pavone, founder Nick Gelso, Jimmy Toscano. Jimmy Good, good Times. times. <laughs> good times. Jimmy Good Times. So all I'll say is this. No, it's not all I'll say, because I always have a lot of all I'll says. This is not the last word on the matter. The injuries are ridiculous right now in the league. And we've got Isaiah Thomas, who I didn't put into the lead-in on that. He undergoes surgery. But here's what's crazy. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but despite all of the injuries that we've faced this year, the only player who is 100% ruled out at any point in the playoffs is Daniel Tice. Yeah, although even then, I think that there is hope. some weird amount of hope. Yeah, I mean, look, this is if people are calling in here or, or tuning in to be like, yeah, I want to get, I want to get some real sobering idea of what I think injuries, you know, Celtics should return from injuries. This is not the show for you, okay? You should not tune into Celtics stuff live. But let's, let's. I mean, look, you got Tice, right? Tice is yeah, this is least. real quick. This is not the Doomsday we're, Show. Right. This is, you know, there's a little green colored glasses. We're not. We right. are. We, we never were. We were always no. bringing the positivity and optimism. And right. uh, thanks to Brad Stevens, we don't have too much egg on our face this year. <laughs> Absolutely right. So I mean, look. I mean, I, I think Tice. They say season ending. 
people have come back from meniscus stuff in six to eight weeks. So, I mean, look, it would take a tremendous timetable for him to do that, but it's theoretical, right? I, Morris is back. We know Kyrie three, three to six weeks. Um, you know, they say second round. We'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. Horford's going back. Smart's got a six to eight week timetable, but as you know, I think we talked about last week, um, Chris Paul, the same injury. And he was back in five weeks playing. So, you know, I, I'm not I'm not holding to those timetables. Hayward is the one that probably the one we probably deserve a little bit of egg in our face for. Uh because, you know, I thought around this time he'd be coming back and he's clearly not there. He's still we on the thought he'd at least game. be practicing with the hopes yeah. of playing uh maybe yeah. the final game or the final couple of games of the year. That you're right. Um That's he, not happening. No, it's not. If he does end up playing this season. He'll obviously be late second round and, and it'll probably be limited minutes, but you never know. You just never know. Um, for all we know, he could be a hundred percent running on the ankle and off the G force machine or whatever that crazy thing is. Um, right now it could be happening this week. And so it's, it's hard telling, but for him to be a 100%, uh, health and impact this year, I think we can probably rule that out if he's not out on the practice floor and uh, 100% running at this point, um, it's not looking likely. But it, you can't rule out that there might be some contribution at some point. But it's really the first round. And you know the team I was always scared of in that first round with upset potential if we weren't at full strength and we needed to buy some time was Philly. And they just rattled off eight games in a row and are really battling for that number three seed. I mean, they might surpass Cleveland. How crazy is that? That record did not look good in the first third to the first half of the season, and they are on a freaking tear. And even Markel Fultz the other night, I mean, he didn't shoot well, one for five from the field, but he had seven assists in 13 minutes and five rebounds. So uh, we're not expecting him to shoot well, but they're going to need the depth in the postseason, I would think. And there's another guy who's giving a little lift. While everybody else is going down with injuries, and he was really never hurt, he's back out on the floor. Very interesting. Uh, you know, the thing with, with Philly, uh, that I, you know, I just, my thing with them, they, they've had a pretty easy schedule. I mean, they've, they have not been playing against the iron of the league here of late. It's a lot of mod, you know, modest, uh, barely free, you know, a lot of Charlottes, a lot of Miamis, a lot of you know, these kind of borderline, uh, teams that are barely in the playoffs. Look, they're looking real good against some not so good teams. I think when the Celtics get them in the playoffs or, or anybody gets them in the playoffs that it has a little bit of, I don't know, heft to them, I think they're going to struggle. I mean, look, <laughs> Markel Fultz had, what was it, uh, had like eight, like, like 10 points and eight, eight rebound or eight assists in like 15 minutes or something. That tells you one thing, like the team they were playing against was obviously not defending at all. It's almost, it's almost physically impossible to do that. So, while maybe it's great to have Markel Fultz back and we want him, we wish him well, it's kind of like, come on now. What are we, what are we really talking about here? Um, I, I like the idea of pushing Cleveland out. Um, and I think we're also in a situation, so it's not beyond reason that they could get the number one seed. They're only three games back. They've well, hold got, on, hold on. Here's your, yeah. yes, maybe, but here's the thing. Let's say they stay, you're right. They've got two more games against the Raptors. Like you said, they're yeah. three back. The first game against the Raptors is on Saturday. So Easter Eve. And 
you know, absolutely. They win that one and things kind of swing their way. You never know. They could take first, but it's likely they'll finish in second. If they finish in second, I really like Philly, uh, or I don't like Philly put well, I don't know. I guess this is the right. question for you. Do you like Philly pushing Cleveland to four so that Cleveland ultimately has to beat the Raptors uh to be able to face the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals if the Celtics get that far? Or do you want to face Cleveland, you know, in in the uh in in the other round? I, how soon do you want them? Would you are you scared of Philly to a point where you'd rather not have Philly in the two three bracket, or, or how, who would you rather have, Cleveland or I think Philly? Playing Philly will be obnoxious, but I'm not as concerned about them beating the Celtics as I am Cleveland. I think Cleveland has a more a more um, a more powerful offense. Postseason pedigree, yeah, I, yeah. They've got the, and they've got LeBron James and. As long as LeBron James is LeBron James, I'd want to stay away from him as long as I can. If we could, if you could get Cleveland to be the four seed, or yeah, to be the four seed to play Toronto, then yeah, that I would want to face. I want Toronto and Cleveland to play each other in the other half, while the Celtics can kind of waltz through, get get the Kyrie, get Marcus Smart back, get them kind of back to where they where they as best as you can back to where they need to be, uh, and you know, get to the conference finals to play one of Cleveland or Toronto. I think that's the ideal situation. You play Philly or you play Indiana, uh, or Washington in that second round. And, and it, it wouldn't, it's not a, it's not a walkover series, particularly not with where the Celtics are in terms of health, but I like those chances a whole lot better than having to go in and play Cleveland, uh, second round. Yeah, I agree. I think that's where I'd rather be. I, I'm a little concerned about the athleticism of Philly. Uh, in that, in that round, but I think we can match it even if we're not at full strength yet. Um, and, and that's really, I think the first round's the sleeper round that we gotta be worried about. We're getting this, I will, I wanna say false sense of security in that first round just because of the fact that the younger players have been winning like crazy, but it isn't postseason basketball. And that's where the draw in that first round really comes into play. I mean, it really could be Washington. It could be Miami. It could be Milwaukee. It's probably going to be either Miami or Milwaukee, neither of which freaks me out as much as Washington. That's the first round upset that, that I'm really concerned about in a 2-7 draw in that first round. And we could talk about that in second. But first, I'm going to tell you, everybody, listen up, fellas. 66% of men begin losing their hair by age 35 and then choose not to do anything about it until it's too late. However, it's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. So have you started to notice the receding hairline? Or maybe you're like me and your son finally spoiled the secret that you couldn't see on your own. Guys, why is it that we do nothing when we can turn to medicine and science? Here's your chance. Order now and our listeners will get a trial, a free month of hymns for just, not a free month, a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or the pharmacy. So just just go to 4 com slash CSL2017. That's right. Just go to 4 com slash CSL2017. So, John, who's your draw in that 2-7 slot? Who are you the most afraid of of those, I would say, three most likely candidates? Well, I, you know, and you're right. I mean, Washington right now is is only a game and a half up on Miami. 
Um, Washington in the sixth right now, Miami a game and a half, uh, I guess behind um, in the seventh spot. The team I most want to play is Miami. That's that's the team I would want to I would want to face more than any other. Uh, I think that they don't have have it. They got a good coach. Um, there's a lot of similarities there in terms of um, in terms of that end of it. But I, I'm not worried about their talent right now. I think the Celtics can beat them um, somewhat significantly better than than they can beat certainly Washington, who I think is a bit of a sleeper team right now. A team I would want not want to face in the first round, just as you said. And Milwaukee, it's the honest factor. You got to be worried about you facing Giannis, and when he figures it out, you know you've got to be concerned. But it seems like we see this every year. I mean, going back 10, 15 years, you see these younger teams at the bottom of the the lottery, or I should say, bottom of the of the playoff race. You know, the eight seed. There's always that team that's got. The one guy who's going to be an MVP, who's kind of carrying their team, in this case, Milwaukee. And we always look at it and say, well, what if he gets hot and he knocks off? But it never happens. I mean, how many times has that been the case? Maybe LeBron in 2007, uh, but it's just not a common occurrence. So should I be worried about Milwaukee? Yes, but I'm not. The number one team I'd want to face more than any other. And likely – uh, right now, the one that looks like they would face would be the Miami Heat, and that's perfect. I would love to see it stay there. I'd love to see Washington, you know, stay where they are. And Indiana, um, then you know, Indiana's kind of fifth. If you know, you, if you could get Washington to play Cleveland, that'd be great too, because Cleveland and Washington seem to seem to match up pretty well against each other. Yeah, they don't like each other either, really. There's been enough little spicy there, just like there was in the Kelly Olynyk days here with Boston. But here's the thing: your preferred path to the finals, you know, assuming they kept advancing, would be Miami, Philly, Toronto. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well. No, no, no. It would be uh, – oh, yeah, I, actually, yeah. I think, yeah. yes, yeah, you're right. this year, in the Avery Bradley era, I might have questioned that based on <laughs> based on the Toronto Raptors and the Cleveland Cavaliers being the same roster construction today. But if we had the same roster construction in the Avery Bradley years, I might question that just because that whole DeRozan matchup and everything was just Kyle Lowry and DeRozan was so tough for that. But I think we are long and athletic enough to compete with them and I, we're not really going to get that glimpse once again this year. We are not going to get that playoff glimpse heading down the stretch on how well we compete with them. Even if we sneak a win on Saturday in the first of the last two against that team, it's not going to be the same as it is in the in the postseason. Oh, the con- right, because you're talking conference finals at that point, and you're going to have Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smart back at that point. So it's not even. You're right. It's it's apples and you know bananas. It's not even round fruit at that point. Um, so uh, yeah, no, that and that yeah, you know, with the Avery Bradley thing, that's cons- that's that would be a concern. But I'd rather face Toronto than Cleveland under whether Avery Bradley's there or you know. Tony Allen or you know whoever Eric Strickland named the era of Celtics great I would much rather face the Toronto Raptors than the Cleveland Cavaliers just because of pedigree I mean pedigree matters and you know if you had told me that Toronto would be 10 games better than the, the Cleveland Cavaliers today I would have you know at the beginning of the season I would I would be completely shocked but they are. They're they're a really good team. That, that's no slight against Toronto to say I'd rather face them than Cleveland but I'm just you know, you, LeBron, me, all LeBron, of our listeners, LeBron, right, we've seen LeBron, it. 
Yeah. He, he can and he will do it. And he's, he's shown us again in the last week or so that he has that ability to take over. He's just reminding, you know, MFers act like they forgot about Dre. That's all he's saying. He's right there. <laughs> be like, come on. You guys know still. I'm still the man. Steal. Steal. So, so I'm, I've been leading up to something the whole way here. Okay, I've set the table very nicely. The path that you want to go is Miami, Philly, and then the Raptors. Yeah. So let's say, and again, it's crazy to think, but this team is good enough to go to the finals for sure. The depth's there. If the health can back it up, it's actually a legit possibility that this Boston Celtics team in the first year of the Kyrie Irving and Hayward, except without Hayward era, you know, that they might still get there. That is really phenomenal. Now, there was a matchup, two matchups earlier in the year that were very exciting, very entertaining. The one that we didn't think we would really see in the finals because we weren't really confident that the Celtics could get there and we're not really confident that anybody can get by Golden State. But guess what, folks? That door is opening. And I know we've seen Steph not be healthy for the start of the playoffs and the team carries them and they've still got Kevin Durant and yada yada, but, but even Clay Thompson's struggling a little bit with that hand. Now, do I think they'll put it together? I do. But any one of those players suffers a setback and that really opens the door for Houston who can probably beat Golden State in the postseason and get to the finals anyway. And then there it is. There's the most exciting NBA finals that nobody anticipated it really the start of the year for the most part. I guess some people probably thought Houston more than they did Boston. But Boston-Houston, man, we wanted that. After both of those exciting matchups and the way that that game is played between those two teams is exciting and it would be refreshing for the NBA. And now I'm kind of looking at it and I'm saying, man, if the Celtics can get through that first round and fight through the second round, you know, just as they're kind of getting their groove back and their health, and get to that Eastern Conference Finals with a, with, with a mostly healthy team, Sands, Daniel Tice, and probably Hayward, I think they could be in the NBA Finals. I'm not sure that they'll win without Hayward, but they could. The way they've been doing it, they could. Yeah. No, you're right. They absolutely could. They're at a point where I think the competition is not what we expect it to be. Look, Houston is really good. They are really good on both ends. I mean, Houston won that game, that last game a couple of weeks ago on the defensive end, really. I mean, they, they shut down Boston at the end and really that's what kind of made that happen. It wasn't a situation where they just shot the lights out and, and, and shot themselves back into the game. It was the Houston defense that really made that happen. So Houston is for real. This isn't just one of these, you know, offensive juggernaut uh, regular season teams that gets the playoffs and when it all slows down they can't they can't get stops. We've seen firsthand that that's not the case. Houston can do that. But man, in terms of clash of styles and a clash of um you know something new, something different, Houston Boston would be great, you know? And we hey, we got the advantage on them 2-0 right now in the finals in history in, in in franchise history. So that may be looking better than we thought. Um and and you know, you can't really talk about Houston without talking about the fact that Golden State's hurt, you know, and an MCL sprain is not nothing, you know, uh, you know, the ankle that, that, uh, Curry's working with, that's not nothing. The rib injury that Durant has, and you got the, I mean, there is, that's a banged up Golden State, ro- you know, Golden State roster. 
As and there's a reason why six, six and a half, four get... finals in a row. Yeah, you it's, can't do it. The, the the late season run, the just banging on the body in the NBA. They're trying to spread out the schedule to help that out a little bit. But when you're playing into June, the middle of June, late June, it is. It is a. It's a very tough toll. It's a tough toll on the joints. Look at the ankle. And there's a reason Houston's six and a half games up on Golden State. And you know how many. How long ago was it that they were going for, you know, the NBA record in wins, and they got it. And that's just that that was the that was the concern during that whole stretch was that commitment to winning instead of resting, instead of trying to get that record. What toll would that have on these players' bodies long term? Especially because when they go out and get um, they go out and get their big man, Kevin Durant. Well, that was supposed to make it easier on everybody. And, yeah, they've maintained an excellent record as a result of it. But I'm not sure that they're really getting the rest that they had anticipated because now those injuries have reared their ugly head. So you can't rest somebody when you're already down somebody. You're resting the injured player instead of resting a healthy player, which is what they really ideally should have been doing in this stretch. Yeah, and and I think the rest thing is is a bit overplayed. And like as you were talking about, it's kind of the lead the show. This is a league right now about injuries. Everybody's hurt, and there may be someone that's being cautious and this and that. But look, it's it's a real issue, and rest may not be the solution that we think it is. I mean, you look at Golden State right now. This is like Celtics in '87 right now. You've got a lot of guys that are gasping for fumes. That was the fourth year the Celtics had gone to the finals. Um, they're going to make a strong run. Golden State is going to do everything in its power to get past Houston. But, look, when the Celtics did get through in 87, they didn't have a whole lot left to, to push back against the Lakers. Meanwhile, the Lakers, got <laughs> they had the pleasure of getting knocked out by Houston the year before. And so they had that little bit extra longer in the summer. I don't know if it was rest. I don't know what it was. But it helped. And then the next two years, the Lakers won back-to-back. I think Golden State is in a situation where – they may, they, you know, this may be, I'm not saying it's the end, but it may be closer to the end of this whole run than we realize right now. Everything in the NBA always seems like infinite and it goes on forever and they're going to be a great team. These things end a lot sooner than we realize. And it could be that this is, you know, this could be the beginning of, of the end of this type of Golden State roster. And they're going to have to do something different here next season to get back on top. Yeah, I still think they'll squeeze out some more. I, I'm thinking, you know, the next four years is going to look a lot more like that four-year run in the KG era after the initial championship. Um, you know, just where you know, they run into some injuries that are untimely. It kind of holds them back a little bit, but they keep fighting through it. Um, I don't think it'll change a ton. Obviously, you know, some of the older players on the roster that are filling out the bench, you know, there's always movement in that regard over time. But, I, you know, I, I think they'll continue to fight through a little bit and fight through a little bit until the contracts really start to rear their ugly heads. And, you know, they got to decide whether or not they're going to be, you know, taking a, a rebate in pay to keep the band together. You know, that that is coming. And if they've struggled to win in the postseason and they're banged up with injuries, it's going to make it easier for guys to, you know, leave uh, sunny San Fran. You know, they're going to look for another place to go, become the man, and, and get as much money on that contract as they can. So we'll see. You know, I'm looking at Clay Thompson with that for, first and foremost. But, you know, definitely definitely is, a, is an issue that's facing that club. Now, if we're going to talk about injuries – 
today that we're recording, uh, it'll be when when you were listening to this. Today will be yesterday. Uh, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> that was will send me now. Dude, that, that was so wordy. I just have to Dude. apologize to our listeners right now for that. We're going plaid. When I say that this show is timeless, I mean, like, literally, we have no concept literally. of time. Um, yeah. All I'll say is, I no, all i say, there it is again. Isaiah Thomas had surgery yesterday, today. And this was a guy that, what did they say, loose bodies is what Woj reported, John? Yeah, yeah, loose bodies, which kind of describes my uh, beach body uh, workout routine right now. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Go ahead. Oh, the visual. Um, so. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, ladies. <laughs> Smile on the camera when you say that. So anyway, um, Isaiah Thomas, we knew he needed surgery. He delayed it. He didn't play any games to start the season, and now he's not finishing the season. Probably should have just went ahead and had that surgery last year. I respect his choice not to, but that's a killer, a killer on his contract here. It's it just this. This one's going to brutalize him. Let's say in four months he'll be healthy. Um, so if you believe that he would be fully healthy when it when it comes to August first, after so, the money's gone. Yeah, it's it's tough. He should have done the surgery last year. Yep. Um, you know, one when, year deal. One year deal. That's what's coming. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a one-year deal, and and we'll see how much money it is because, you know, the, the Lakers are a, and then a he's fair bet. Thirty, he's thirty at the end of that, trying yeah. to sign his big max deal. Jeez. It's so sad. I literally just feel bad for Isaiah Thomas because of what he gave us last postseason, what he went through. Like, I wish he had just had the surgery for his own benefit because I feel like if he did, you know, he would have been healthy by December, and he could have been carrying Cleveland too. Like, that trade might never have happened if he had had the surgery. To the Lakers, not to Cleveland. But the, from Cleveland to the Lakers may not have happened if he had had the surgery, and they were looking at it differently. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair bet. Yeah, that that, that would have been a different different conversation point. I also think that some of that is, is the, the back that brings truck up conversation. Not necessarily to say – that he was asking for it, but that perhaps his his asking price was just not in the realm of where Boston was looking to pay. And you know, if, if it definitely he, was not, it definitely you know, was he, not. But he's not the only one to misjudge the market post 2016, 2017. I mean, a lot of guys are going to be in a, in a bad spot this summer. The problem is he's the worst off because of the injury and it being a, such a an important injury in terms of long-term money. Uh, you know, he could he could be fine on one-year deals, but that doesn't provide security. I seriously want him to come back on a one-year deal. So that's what I'm setting up. Just think about that. Let's take a little, a little bit of that responsibility off of Kyrie. We just talked about giving guys nights off and not banging them up. And there's been a conversation that this issue with Kyrie's knee is going to be a long-term issue. Why not look at next year and say, hey, some nights, Isaiah, we're going to let you roll. You know, not off the bench. We're going to let you start, and we're going to let you finish in the fourth quarter. And Kyrie, you get to take a night off and chill. And they just position for that two seed, you know, with an eye on the number one seed throughout the entire season. And maybe with Hayward, that's not even a concern. I don't know what kind of money he 
you know, would be able to get this off season, but he'll be healthy in time to play the full season. And the money's going to be gone by the time he can show that the surgery was successful and everything's gravy. So I'm just, maybe the Celtics just don't have the money, but wouldn't it be cool to spend like one of these exceptions on him, but get a mid-level money and have him bolster the bench and, but still, you'd have the opportunity to be the man. He would. There would be nights where they would let him go and close that fourth quarter. And maybe they don't want to do that. Maybe they don't want him in the way of Tatum. Maybe it doesn't make any sense with Brown going into his year three. Maybe it doesn't make any sense if they don't trade Terry Rozier and he sticks around. Yeah, I think I think it's a Rozier, Rozier and, and I think it's a backcourt issue. I think it's also a Kyrie issue. You know, can he can he play with Kyrie? Kyrie is the guy that came here to replace him. You know, it's a it's a weird it's a weird dynamic. You know, and yeah, he's hey, we kicked off the show talking about coach of the year, so I don't have to worry about those things. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. You don't have to worry when you got you know the god Brad Stevens in there. You know, I mean that's that's all it takes. But yeah, it's it's um it's totally a um a tough it's a tough spot you know you, you feel for the guy because he he did he gave everything he could to the city to this fan base to the team and unfortunately a, a variety of circumstances have, have conspired against him you know and and that's that's unfortunate but you know it is the way the game goes sometimes and um you know, it's just a, a bad, bad luck for him. I think that's all, all you can, you know, chalk it up as. But yeah, I would too, I would love to see him here. You know, I'd love to see him get a chance to taste of, of some of the success, you know, have some success here, um, to a greater degree than what he saw here, you know, last year. And, you know, it just, it, it seems like it's going to be a tough fit in terms of timelines of his career and where he's going to be and where this team is going to be because, who would you rather have over the next three years, Rozier or, or IT? Or you know, I, I think you take Rozier. No, it's <laughs> Rozier. If the team feels like they can't resign him, keep in mind, this team may not be done trying to package some of these players, right? Yeah. And if yep. that happens, then all of a sudden this crowded backcourt doesn't look so crowded and somebody like Isaiah looks like a really great option. Come back. We've got a role for you on the bench slash, you know, some spot starter can light it up, show everybody that you're worth a decent sized contract. We know you probably won't stay here type of deal. We're going to give you lots of late season run to show that you're healthy. You're going to be, you know, potentially in the NBA finals and on the stage, all the things we talked about earlier this year when I was uh, hoping that he'd get bought out or some craziness and we'd be able to bring him back to finish out this year. And how much of a luxury would it be right now if he hadn't, you know, without knowing that he was going to have surgery today, yesterday, if without that, you know, what a luxury it would be while Kyrie is out having surgery to have Isaiah running the, running the team and scoring, yeah. you know, and closing out games, even though they're winning without him. Would have been pretty. Would have been kind of a fun little, almost like bringing Antoine Walker back after Danny traded him off. Danny the Snake traded him off to Dallas. So, all right, we've only got like a minute or two left. So I, I want to get your predictions for the Raptors game because it's the only game on the slate. Because we're bringing the show to you a little late this week instead of on Monday. You're getting it on Friday, and then we'll be back on Monday or Tuesday of next week, regularly scheduled uh, show. So. John, what's your thoughts for the Raptors? I actually think we're going to get smoked, and I think the whole first place. Wow. Yeah, I think we're going to get smoked, and I think the whole first place effort dies on Saturday, and uh, I think they rest everybody out 
to finish out the year to make sure there's no more, not arrest them, but I think everybody takes the gas off the pedal and they, they finish with 55 wins on the nose and actually take a few, take a few losses for the, for the benefit of, of people's health. But, Dude, but maybe not, maybe not. Dude, that's very specific, just so you know. There's very specific details about where you, where this is going to go. I mapped it out. It's pretty good. That's good. No, I like it. I like it. Um, I'll tell you what. I think they win. I think it's a home game. I think they win it. I think that they are, uh, I think T. Rose, uh, I think it's, I, I don't know why. I, maybe I'm still high off of last night's win. Let's call it that. Um, but I think they win it. I, I feel good about where they are. Um, and I think they need to give Toronto something to think about. Now they're going to have, Toronto's going to have them again on the back half of a back to back. And that game, that's next week. That's going to be an L. Okay. So I'm just, yeah, that's I'm the that out yeah, there. I, but I think they can, I, you know, they got two days off. They're going to fly back. They fly back to the, you know, in terms of we're recording this Thursday, fly back on Thursday. They'll have a day off Friday kind of get themselves kind of back situated East coast time. And then I think, I think they put a hurt on the old wraps um, and, and really give them something to think about. And I think that's, it's something to think about without any of their stars. I mean, they'll have Horford, they'll have Mook, but they won't have Kyrie. And I think Kyrie is is the key to being Toronto and really giving Kyle Lowry something to work for. So um, I'm going to say a win, man. I'm optimistic. The optimism train is rolling through the station. And uh, you know, hey, I want to see I want to see more of the Yabu. That's what I want to see. I want to see more of that. <laughs> All right, let's see the Yabu for John. Uh, that's definitely got to happen. It's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and for my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poole. And thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.